The LSU's First Cast, episode 591. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer John Diaz. In this episode, John and I will discuss some takeaways and observations from the Spurs' first three preseason games. Let's go ahead and get started. John, how are you doing? I'm good. Hey, you know, there, there's some good news behind everything. Like, the last time the Spurs started a preseason 0-3 was last year, so we, we've got that going for us. Oh, okay, so, yeah, they, <laughs> you know, they, they kind of look like the team that, that, that was already was playing, you know, before the before the pandemic happened. They had to stop the season in March. I mean, this is kind of what this preseason showed early on. It doesn't look like a lot of changes like what we saw in the bubble there. So let's go ahead and get, dive right into this uh, Spurs cast listeners. So let's begin first with the latest news for the team. Uh, I want to start first, uh, John, with some injury news. Um, Coach Pop this week on Tuesday, we were doing a, a pregame, um, you know, interview session with him virtually. And, uh, you know, he was asked about the, uh, you know, where where Keldon Johnson and Derek White uh, stand and in terms of them being ready for, for the first game of the season next week. And he basically said no. He said that uh, uh, on Keldon, he said uh, he won't be back for the next couple of weeks was his quote. And he says uh, Keldon, um, who's out with the left foot injury, uh, he's actually further along than Derek White in terms of he says that Keldon's at least able to right now play, uh, participate in three-on-three workouts, whereas Derek, who had that left second toe surgery um, over the offseason, uh, he's not even on the court yet. Like Pa basically said, he's not even he's he's further behind than um, than Keldon. So I mean that's a huge that's a huge injury. I mean just for the multiple weeks that these players are going to be out, uh, and we, again we don't have a timetable of exactly when they're coming back. So we know for sure they're probably definitely not coming back, uh, or Keldon's not at least coming back next week on, on the home opener against Memphis on, on I think it's on, on a Wednesday. Uh, and so you know Derek is is, is probably going to be a starter this year. So that's one part is that you're missing a starter, and then Keldon was it was obviously having a breakout t- um, time there in the bubble. Uh, so so what do you think about this injury news? The fact that these players could both be out um, for multiple weeks. I, I kind of find it ironic that we're supposed to be in this new era of the NBA being a little more transparent with these injuries, and we kind of know what happened with Derek White. We mm-hmm. we saw that. They announced that. The Keldon injury is a little – I have a lot more questions because you, I, I we saw the videos of him training. We've we've seen – he looked fine when they were doing the, the, the Fiesta jersey shoot and stuff, and then I think he had a public appearance where he was wearing a walking boot. And it just makes me wonder what was the timeline of the injury? What exactly is the extent? Because, you know, you could be wearing a boot for an ankle sprain. You could be wearing a boot for plantar fasciitis. And and that's where it's it kind of bleeds into where is that going to end up in his return for not only this season, but any minutes restrictions moving forward and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's also it's hard because you've got to make that decision on Derek White with his contract extension. And Keldon was the star of the bubble. That's pretty much easy to point out. And now you're missing both of those guys that you're kind of like looking for this young guy revolution. And now they're going to be out maybe through December. And any kind of hopes that hinge on the shortened season for this team to make the playoffs or at least make the play-in game are hinging on these two guys. Obviously, Devin Vassell, he's probably your best defender just strictly off a scouting report. But you don't want to like have to put that kind of pressure or have him anchor the defense. These two are who you're looking at for that defense. And when you don't have them, we saw what it translated to these last three games. Uh, it, it just seems like the defense is in shambles. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully they're back sooner than later, but we'll see what happens. I just wish the Spurs were a little bit more transparent on the Keldon Johnson injury. 
Yeah, that was that was a weird one too. You're right, because like like you said, you know, all of a sudden, uh, when training camp first started, Pop just like starts, um, you know, naming all the players as injuries. And again, like we knew about Quindary Weatherspoon, uh, we knew about Derek White because the Spurs had announced that those two players had surgeries in the off season. It's like we knew that was coming. Whereas Kelton Pop just goes, oh, he's out, he has a foot foot injury, and then like it didn't get clarified. They and they would have put on their injury report into the actual first game against OKC, and that's when we saw, oh, okay, it is the left foot injury. And again, there's, there hasn't been, um, you know, any kind of timetable either of when the, when the team expects him back. And again, it's only really when when reporters asked Pop, you know, what's the latest on their condition? And that's when he kind of just let out that, oh, they're actually out multiple weeks. Because, like, his, yeah. his original quote, we were kind of lost there, like, where, where I talked to Micah two weeks ago, and, we, and we, he said he basically made it seem like they could, they were definitely going to miss the whole preseason, but then he made it sound like they might be able to come back by opening night or or or, or not. So, like, that's why it's just kind of all over the place. And, and I'm really glad, John, you brought something up. Uh, Spurs cast, this is what, what John just mentioned there was that Derek White does have that contract extension that uh, that the deadline is on Monday on the 21st of December. So that's something to watch. It's, I mean, we're, we're already, John and I recording this on a Friday so so that news could drop uh, you know in the next three days so kind of keep uh, keep an eye out on social media or if it passes within what that means is that the Spurs can still retain Derek White but he's gonna he's gonna the market's gonna dictate the price that that teams are gonna offer him because he would become a restricted free agent now we saw that with Jakob Pertl they were able to kind of just sign Pertl back they didn't get no offer sheets but Derek's at a different position uh, you know he, he's at the guard wing position which is which is a more wanted position in the NBA plus a lot of those free agents those marquee names like Giannis um, um, Paul George etc those players who you have a bunch of cap space for us. Well, guess what? They're actually signing their extensions now. So, so that's something to watch with uh, with Derek White if the Spurs uh, choose to to retain him long term. And like John just said, there, uh, you know, it's it's tough to make that, that call right now because he's he's going to be injured to start, to start the year. And I know that Pop was asked this um, on on. Um, on Thursday before the game, and he basically said, you know, uh, Derek's a big part of the future and, and the franchise, but you know, they didn't really say that there's anything concrete in the works right now. Um, Let's continue with just some. Um, I don't want to go too much into these games because again, it, it is preseason. But I will just say what, what John just mentioned there. Um, you know, they, the Spurs did go zero and three in their preseason start, uh, uh, even though it was a shortened pre, uh, shortened preseason than the normal. Uh, so they did lose to OKC on Saturday in San Antonio. There was no fans allowed. Uh, so one twenty eight one one oh one twenty one one oh eight. It was a uh, you know it was pretty it was uh, you know a fairly competitive game uh, throughout the the game. Something interesting there was that the Spurs did start off big with Demar with uh, Dejounte Murray at the one. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan at the two, Rudy Gay at the three, uh, Aldridge at the four, and then Jakob Pertl at the five. Then they switched up their scheme on, on Tuesday night. They played, They went to Houston for the first time on the road, no fans again, uh, and they lost their 112-98. Again, a, a closer game. That was James Harden and, and, um, and uh, what's his name, P.J. Tucker's first games playing uh, to, uh, you know, with the Rockets for this season because they didn't show up to training camp and there were some issues going on with, with both players. Uh, and then uh, they did start smaller, the Spurs here, where they had uh, DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gate, and LaMarcus Aldridge. Then on Thursday, uh, they kept that same exact starting lineup. Um, you know, and then plus uh, Pop said he would he would use that type of game, that rotation, to make it look more like what they're going to do against Memphis next week in the, in the opener. And he also brought, you know, Patty Mills, Devin Vassell, uh, Trey Lyles, and Yaka Pert off the bench to clear close out that nine-man unit now in this one though it wasn't close though the Spurs went down early by a lot and you know they were down by 34 one time so they lost 128 106 um I guess some trends I've seen John because we're gonna get into individual players in a little bit but some trends I've kind of seen is what the players say but also kind of what I've seen as well in the data is that on offense at least they are trying to play a little bit quicker you know I, I see a lot less half-court plays even even like LaMarcus and 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 DeMar and Rudy you know they're, they're quickly kind of bringing the ball up and then and just right away just trying to go through a pick and roll or go one-on-one or just kind of do some sort of scheme they're, they're running a lot less Less half court play, so I do see the, a little bit quicker of, of the tempo. And I know after that second Houston game, I, I did look at some of the stats.
stats, and they were playing qu- uh, pretty quick in terms of less reliance on the half court. And then they are trying to shoot more threes, and 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 you know you do see it by the by the percentage of their shots. Now they're not going to be you know like the Rockets, but they are at least uh, you see the data, and, and it does show that they're at least t- attempting more threes. So um, what what are just some early takeaways from the preseason uh, without going too too much into the individual players? Yeah, uh, you know, I think the, the the thing that I saw already was, I think last season, I wrote it down, uh, 27 was the most threes they attempted in a preseason game last year, and the least they took this season was 31. So there it goes to them speaking about trying to launch more from beyond the arc. I, I think a, a big concern that I have, and, and you can see it with the two teams that they played in OKC and Houston, that the Spurs only have one guy that can shoot, that shot over 40% from three last year mm-hmm. with a minimum of 100 attempts, which is Lonnie Walker, and he shot 101. And teams like OKC and Houston were attempting, were, had one player also, but that player was attempting three to 400 throughout the season, and you had Ben McLemore and Danilo Gallinari. So it, it seems like it's just more of a whoever's open, if it's a good shot, take it. If not, mm-hmm. try to find a good shot. It doesn't seem like it's built into any kind of a scheme even when they're just pushing the ball and not executing in the half court, it doesn't seem like they're trying to get the ball into Lonnie's hands or someone that you can try to trust more from three. It just seems like take it, you're open. Hopefully it goes in. Um, that <laughs> we'll see how that works going forward. Um, the, they finished the preseason at 31% from three, which is also kind of hard to take yeah. too much stock into because mm-hmm. You've got to look at guys like Trey Lyles and LaMarcus Aldridge haven't played since March. Mm-hmm. These other guys had maybe, what, a month and a half off? And just enough time to get out of game shape, but still not have your legs to be able to shoot properly. And it's it felt like, you know, it was one of those things where these guys are going to take a good while to actually kind of warm up and be able to play to the level they're capable of. Um, but it, it's also just... You know, Pop made the comment that they seem too unselfish and they're passing up a lot of threes. I just feel like they're a little too out of control, especially defensively. They get lost on switches. Uh, there's like there's always the desperate closeout, and the teams are already knowing that's coming, so they're just ready to go drive and maybe find the next open shooter. But I, I just find it kind of really difficult to see how this team improves with this chicken head cutoff offense that they're running. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, you know, especially like you mentioned, you know, they're, they're, with the data. I mean, I think it's that that last Houston game was a perfect example of sure you could take more threes, but you got to have the players to make them because that's what ended up happening. Well, yeah, I think, I think at one time I tweeted like they were down twenty-seven zero from three. Like it took them to I think the second or third quarter to finally hit a three, and so that's a big problem. Is they, sure you can start taking more threes, but you got to actually have the players to make them. And right now, like like you mentioned, like the, like the only solid player is Lonnie. Plus, you know, Patty Mills is is a, is a known shooter as well. But aside from from those two players, you know, you know, there's there's if 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 uh, just John T. Murray's going to start increasing his range. LaMarcus Aldridge, Trey Lyles, all these players, you know, these guys are, are not known for their being consistent three-point shooters, so that's going to be something they're going to have to really um, rely on. And then, and then, um, like you mentioned, the offense, you know, kind of, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't obviously working out for them. And I think there's going to be definitely some, some, some key issues there defensively, especially with their defense in the paint where the Rockets really, really picked them apart. Um, now let's go ahead and just talk about some some individual players. Uh, you know, there's just some players that really interest to me in this in these first three three preseason games. And I think the first player is a, is a guy we've already mentioned um, before is rookie Devin Vassell. I mean, he's been really impressive because you know for me, I, I don't watch a lot of any any college basketball basically like, unless there's a tournament, which we, obviously we didn't have the tournament because it was you know because of COVID and everything that happened there. So I didn't see any Vassell. Um, and and then you know so they drafted him. I, I knew about the defense. So every that's all you read in the scouting report was his defense. But I, I was really kind of impressed by his offense and and and, and what he's bringing 
bringing to the table here. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of go through some of his quick stats, and then and then um uh, and then you can kind of give me uh, some of your perspective on both ends. Uh, first versus OKC, he scores 12 points, gets three steals, one block, three fouls in 25 minutes. In the first game against Houston, he scores 11 points, gets four steals, one foul in 32 minutes. And then the last game against Houston, which this one, I, I feel like the data is a little skewed because it was a blowout. So, like, even though he looked good in this game, it's, again, it, it was like you're, you're down by 34, so the other teams aren't really trying as hard. Uh, so he scores 18 points in that one, two steals, three fouls in 26 minutes. So overall, again, these are preseason numbers. This counts for nothing at the end of the day on the stat sheet um, overall for the season. Uh, he shoots 15 to 29 from the floor for 52%. And he shoots 5 of 10 from 3. His point location, so how he's scoring, getting his points. So 15, point, 15 of his points come from the 3-point line. Uh, 12 of his points come from the paint, so he is attacking the rim. Uh, 8 points, um, surprisingly, come from the mid-range. I was kind of impressed by that. And then also 6 points from the free throw line. Um, and then, and then his, uh, he, he, he does, you know, his, he's known for his defense, so he has 9 steals to just 7 fouls. Uh, so, you know, that's always a good thing when he has way more steals than the fouls. Uh, you know, so, some, some things I noted for him, like he's just really a pest on defense, and he even talked about that's what he really takes a lot of pride in on that end of the floor. And then he has some good anticipation skills where he was, like, picking off passes uh, that, were, that were going to, like, cutters, or he would pick off passes that were supposed to be to, to a post-up player. Uh, just pr- pretty good anticipation skills. And he says, you know, that's one thing he likes to do is gamble with, you know, smartly gamble. And, and even Pop, you know, didn't criticize him at all, really. He said, you know, at one quote was saying that he's very wise on defense, and, you know, Pop was really harping how um, he really, he could just tell Devin takes a lot of pride in his defense and how that's something that Florida State wanted in their program, and, De- and Devin's definitely listened to his coach at college, and Pop can see that pay off. And then um, I, I guess the one weakness I would say on his defense is um, he does get caught on screens. You know, he's a very wiry frame. He's got to put on some muscle as he, as he starts getting a few more years in the league. So you do see that. That's the one time that, that I think that's his biggest weakness right now is just kind of getting caught on, on different um, off-ball screens or, or even like when it's a pick-and-roll. Uh, you know, James Harden could easily just uh, get rid of him by having, um, you know, somebody, somebody screen for him. Uh, that, that was one way that, that I saw. So let's just first focus on his defense. What, did you, what do you think about his defense? Really good instincts. Really just plays kind of fearless and really likes to just uh, disrupt a lot of passing lanes mm-hmm. and disrupt ball handlers, which I really like. Uh, I, I think there was a sequence in the in the first game against OKC where they were driving on him. He managed to strip the ball and then trailed the break and shot the three from the top. And that that's just something that the Spurs have desperately needed since you know shipping out Kawhi and Danny Green. They, they really haven't had that person. You've seen the flashes of Keldon doing it and Dejounte, but someone that is just a really good on ball defender and has that kind of length is is just exactly what the Spurs needed. And it makes me really happy to see how quickly he was just thrown into the fire and been able to just keep his head up and actually do what the Spurs need him to do. Anything else that you get on on the other side of the ball is a bonus. But the defense he needs to be that develop into that anchor eventually where you can kind of have that lockdown perimeter threat and he man he's everything he's better than advertised to me because I felt like they kind of sold him as just a 3 and D kid but it, it just seems like he's got veteran instincts for someone who's so young and just you know one year of college. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you just watch, you know, Lucas Simonich didn't play in the last two Rockets games, but he did play against OKC, and you could just tell. Like you just watch Devin, and like he he just kind of looks very comfortable out there, especially on offense too. You know, no defensively, like like you're saying, he just brings it all on that end of the floor. He's just he just he, like you said, like earlier, you mentioned like he's probably their best. He he pretty much is at this point. You know, with with Lonnie and I mean, yeah, no, no, with uh, Keldon and Derek Hurt. You know, he's pretty much their best like like wing defender in terms of guarding like threes, twos, and threes. Whereas you know, obviously Dejounte's still a good defender. As well out there guarding guarding the points, um, so, so that's one thing defensively you could tell. But then offensively, he just looks so much more comfortable. 
putting the ball down the floor. He's he's shooting off screens, and, and that's kind of what I noted here was that you know he showed his playmaking in the half court. He had a really good. Uh, he 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 ran a pick and roll with them. I think it was Jakob or um or you know it was Drew Eubanks. It was Drew Eubanks. Where like Drew got all the way near the rim, and he threw like a solid bounce pass like through the defense, and it got right to <laughs> yeah. Drew, and he got and he made like an and one yes in that game against the Rockets. So like he's showing some different like you know different skills there. He made some really tough uh, mid rangers, which of course you know I, I don't think that's that, that was just, for for me that was more of like a lucky shot because he had some some really crazy like step backs and stuff like that but he got him to go in so i mean it worked out for him and then you know the one thing that was consistent i saw at least early on was that he was um shooting that shooting the open three pretty well um and then and then and then i saw that in two of the games where immediately on his first possession on offense the first thing he tried to do was get to the free throw line so like he quickly attacked and got fouled and that's again something that 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 we're seeing here is that i was a little bit um impressed with his offense what what did you think about that part of his game yeah, I think his first shot was that dribble handoff for three, and I was just kind of like, okay, that that's <laughs> not what I expected at all. And then mm-hmm. uh, he had the mid, the contested mid range after that, and it, it's just, man, I I just didn't expect any of that. I didn't expect the contested mid range or anything. And I, I remember talking to you before the OKC game and being able to see from the the feed on court him running through the shooting drills with Chip, and kind of just wondering, okay, well maybe eventually he'll get to that point where. You know, all the Spurs kind of go through those shooting drills with Chip, but there's there's always been that concern with his form. Maybe he's just only a three-point shooter, but he seems to just have all the tools already there, and maybe that Florida State, you know, kind of runs a similar offense to, to the Spurs in terms of just not being extremely selfish. But mm-hmm. Devin shows that capability that if he needs to get a bucket, you can actually rely on him. And I don't mean he's going to start – putting up 20 points a game yeah. or taking uh, taking shots with the game on the line or anything. It just shows that there's a lot of room to grow there, and he's already a lot better than what we expected coming into the season. He can be depended on a lot more moving forward. Yeah, and like like just like when you when you look at him and like somebody like Lucas Simonich, like you would think that that Lucas the, the the rookie, it's not it's not even Devin like in that yeah. game against OKC. I mean that was the first game against OKC. Like I automatically just forgot Luca was there. Even like I, you know somebody like Lonnie, like in, in the how he's been kind of in, we're gonna get to him in a little bit, but like even Lonnie, like you just forget that he's on the floor at times. Whereas Devin, like you kind of you constantly know he's on the floor because he's being a pest on defense as well. Yep. And then you know he's bringing the ball up and he's just initiating a lot. So again, you know it, it was just three preseason games, and and I think one cool thing, John, that we're gonna see it's very rare for a rookie is because of the injuries to Derek and Kelton. I think that, you know, he's going to end up getting real minutes because Pop has basically given him like 25, 30-something Absolutely. minutes, 26. And then because of the injuries, you know, he's going to play for sure. So that's something very interesting of that fact that even when, the, when those two players come back, you know, there's going to be some, some jostling for minutes because, you know, he's. I think he's going to really make a, a presence. And, and like I said, it's very rare for Pop not to, like, you know, say anything. Uh, you know, he, he, he really hasn't ha- hasn't criticized him at all uh, uh, to start. And, again, he's just been very, very, um, you know, you know uh, uh, giving him a lot of praise. And not only that, though, but, like, how many rookies do you know just went in there the second preseason game and were told, hey, you're going in? James Harden, that's your guy. Go yeah. guard him. That, that's just uh, amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. And that experience is invaluable. For sure. So again, Devin Vassell has been a, a very um, you know interesting player that, that's definitely been on our uh, you know been one of the, the highlights to watch in the preseason. And you know obviously he's going to get some, some minutes here in the rotation uh, going forward as the season begins next week. Let's move on to the next player that I want to talk about, and that's Patty Mills because you know we, we heard all through training camp he's going to become the, um, the the Australian national team version of Patty Mills, a lot more <laughs> aggressive, scoring the ball. And so some of the data does show this. Uh, you know, against OKC, he had a really good game where he scores 24 points on 16 shots, um, zero assists in 20 minutes. 
then against Houston, um, you know, only took eight shots for nine points, uh, two assists in 19 minutes. And then uh, versus Houston in that last game, which was uh, Thursday, 16 points on 15 shots. So, again, he's getting about 15, 16 shots here, two assists in 26 minutes. Uh, overall, how, how did this work out? Again, it's just preseason data. 18 of 39 overall, 46% field goal, uh, five turnovers to four assists. So, we, so you know, he is being more aggressive there we see on offense. But, uh, you know, I, again, for me, that third game was kind of tough because, you know, he, he wasn't really making a lot of his shots. He was struggling there, but so was the whole team. As a whole, they were down by 30, so you can't put too, too much stock into that. What did you What did you think about this new, um, you know, definitely I think way more aggressive Patty Mills uh, off the bench? I So I, I just want to make a quick joke about something Jeff McDonald had said on the Spurs Insider podcast, that it is ironic that FIBA Patty wants to come out in a contract year. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little, little uh, mm-hmm. coincidence there, but... Yeah, I, I felt like, honestly, in the first game, for me, while it was great to see Patty play with that kind of aggression and speed, it it was almost borderline detrimental to the team. Some of it was him taking bad shots, which, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, Patty's not a stranger to bad shots. He hasn't seen a shot he never liked. But some of it was just kind of like, you could have made a pass here, you could have penetrated and gotten someone else open, and he just kind of forced the issue a little bit. Uh, in the second game, it, it, it seemed a little bit more controlled. I, I didn't get to watch much of the third game, but obviously 15 shots, 16 points isn't ideal. Uh, you would just kind of hope that he can find the, the balance, which is also part of the reason why he's trying to unleash FIBA Patty in the preseason. But the, the problem with playing FIBA Patty basketball is you're doing it in the NBA where the talent level is not what you see in those FIBA competitions. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's a completely different, just completely different game. And for him to try to do that against some of these guys – in the NBA, it's going to be a lot harder than it seems. And I just worry that those shots could be going somewhere else, and especially to some of the younger guys who would mm-hmm. need those shots for maybe their confidence or their development period. I, I would kind of hope I – don't, I don't want to see OKC, that OKC game again. Uh, it, it looked good when he was making shots and when he was driving, but some of those drives and some of those shots were just to the point where I'm like, why? There, there was no reason to you know not run the shot clock down there. There was no reason to try not to execute in half court. If you're if the goal for the team is to shoot more threes, Patty obviously needs to be on the higher end of shooting those threes because he's one of the better shooters on the team, but not to the point where it's going to start costing them possessions and being and not being able to translate to good transition defense. Yeah, and I think there, there's two parts. I think I think definitely what, what you you know what you said with the guys uh, at the Express News said there was that you know it is definitely a contract year for him. Also, I think that he has like a lot more pride in the fact that you know he was kind of seen as like. Uh, it almost looked like he was out, he was going out the door, you know, getting like a coaching role in the off in the, in the in the bubble. So maybe it yeah. looked like you know he was he was heading toward that veteran route of like you know getting closer to the end of his career. So maybe maybe for him it's more of like a pride thing of no, I still got this. You know, I can be a really good player or solid player uh, in this league. So maybe there's part of that. And then also maybe um you know with uh you know with either Kelton or or or, or Lonnie starting once everybody's healthy and, and Derek probably in the starting lineup as well. Maybe he thinks that there is. Uh, uh, some some room there for somebody to be like almost like a six man, you know that that one aggressive player off the, off the bench there to kind of get those shots there and kind of carry the offense. So maybe that's where he thinks his his mind's at for the, for for taking that route. I think the problem's going to be when Derek and, when Derek and Kelton get back, or if uh, Vassell continues to make growth because like just like what you said, you know you don't want him taking shots away from guys like like Vassell or Lonnie Walker or Kelton Johnson. You know just him.
him like you know like you said and and he's running one, one thing that bothers me is that you know he's taking a lot more mid and i don't like the mid-range ready and then so he's like he's yeah. doing a lot of those where he gets like Jakob to set a screen he goes around the screen and just shoots like a 15 footer and it's like okay it looked good against okc the day it was going in but then on like against okay against houston in that third game it did not it wasn't going in it just looked like you know again he was just like jacking shots you kind of see it there with the assist numbers how they were down as well so again we'll see we'll see how much that that system you know i mean how much how aggressive he continues to stay as the actual season starts here uh but 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 you know like, like i agree with john where i think that's gonna be a problem if those young guys are, are trying to get some shots or, or just trying to be be more involved in the offense and trying to grow and, and be and grow their game and they can't because patty's you know just uh, taking a bunch of shots here 15 60 shots a night so we'll see how that how that system works out for them uh the next player i want to talk about john is lamarcus aldridge um uh, you know, not going to go too too much into the stats because you know, like you mentioned, he hadn't played basketball since March, or, or um, and so 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 we're not going to go too stat heavy here. But I just want to you know get your take on on how he's fitting into the system because you know we know that he didn't go to the bubble uh, due to due to injury. So this is his first time coming in. I think I think the one thing I did write down here was that um, you know, half his shots in this preseason did come from three, so that that's something that's something notable. Ten, ten three point attempts versus OKC four versus Houston, five versus Houston in the second game. But like you mentioned earlier, um, you know, he d- wasn't very accurate, only 21%. But like, like we said, you know, he hasn't found a rhythm yet. It's been months since he's played actual basketball. Um, and then, uh, you know, and like I, like we mentioned earlier, in the first game against OKC, he was playing more at the four with Yaka by his side. That was actually their best – that was their best game defensively and, and near the rim. Uh, they actually held OKC below 50% of the paint, whereas against Houston, whew, Houston got, got into paint, <laughs> paint at will against them. So I think that, that was a problem was like, you know – uh, defensively, they're they're they're, they're going to have their issues if if Lamarcus is going to be the five from what I saw already in just two preseason games. But again, it is a small sample size. So, what did you think about you know Lamarcus getting back with the team, especially considering he is a, you know one of their focal points on the team? I never want to see him shoot ten threes again. That that was almost like a borderline parody of everything that we've talked about because he mentioned in his his preseason availability to the media, like, yeah, I totally support Pop wanting me to shoot more threes, and I'm going to buy in and to launch. It just felt like he just said bleep it every time he got the ball against OKC and just started throwing it up just to see what happened. And, you know, obviously you can't kill him because he doesn't have the legs yet to start shooting the way he was last season. But uh, And I think the, the most evident thing about the way that he doesn't have his legs and he's not in game shape was his inability to back down Eric Gordon last night. The, mm-hmm. that, there was one play where just Eric Gordon just had him locked down and he couldn't move him. And I'm just looking at that like, okay, is that age? Is that game shape? Or is that LaMarcus just doesn't physically have that move anymore? Because if you can't back down a 6'4 shooting guard, I, I, I don't know what you're supposed to bring to the table anymore to this team. But you, you, you can't kill him too much. And defensively, obviously, you already know what you're getting from LaMarcus. As long as you can try to have the perimeter around him okay like he's he's gonna give up shots at the basket he's not gonna switch well but it, it's just trying to survive it he, he needs to get it done more on offense and hopefully that comes with more time and more game yeah you know uh, in the in the last game against Houston I just I just I just continue to have like just like memory uh going back to the memories of like the the, the prior years where like on one possession, you would see Lamarcus do, uh, you know, back down and then turn around and make the shot. But then on the other end, the Rockets go down and shoot a three. And then on another possession, yeah. Lamarcus is there. He does a pick and pop, and he does a seventeen foot mid ranger. And then on the other end, the Rockets go down and make a three. And it's just like it just reminds me of like you know where they've been in the past. And so that's why you know for me it wasn't really like a huge takeaway. You know, like like you said, you know, there, there's some shots that he shouldn't be shooting. You know, that that many threes for for certain things. But there there is some part of it where like you know 
you know, if you're going to pick and pop, I think you definitely need to space out to that three point line. Uh, but then there's some definitely where, where like he, he gets like spot ups and like maybe he's he could do a little bit more with the ball there and, and so you know it, we're, we're just kind of see like like you know we can't put too too much stock in it because it was his first games his first three games in, you know in months off of, of actual basketball so so that's kind of where, where where we stand with the Marcus. Um, let's move on to Dejounte Murray. Uh, you know I really want to note note his uh, his last game against Houston. Uh, he was very he was a lot more aggressive. Uh, at, at attacking the paint, he really, really whether it was in the half court, whether it was in, in the open court, he he had 14 of his 17 points scored in the paint, and then he even got to the free throw line. He was very aggressive, and he had three um, points from the free throw line. But he didn't really do that in the first two games against OKC, and then and then that first game against Houston. So like I didn't want to, you know, maybe it was just a, a one game sample, but I really feel like that's maybe where he can make his growth and progression. Uh, after the game, you know, we asked Pop about that, and Pop did say, you know, that's what they want for this season is for for Murray to become more of a you know north south rim attacker, just put more pressure on the defense, and that's something he typically doesn't do a lot of times he'll use a pick and roll and he'll, he'll like if, if their space is over um you know open because defenses go under on his screens he likes to shoot his comfortable mid-ranger i know he put up a few threes here and there he took like three three threes in, in all three preseason games but again those were only the spot up types um and then but then murray said kind of the opposite of what pop said you know whereas whereas pop said they want him to become more aggressive attacking the rim he said you know he doesn't want to just take all the shots at the rim because he needs to set up his teammates and kind of get everybody involved that's he wants to be like a point guard so you know basically like mixed mixed messages there so what did you think about Dejounte and his play? I I, have, I worry about him trying to attack the rim too much. Honestly, uh, it, it seems like he's regressed back to one of the biggest issues I had when he was in Austin mm-hmm. was just the loose handle, turning the ball over. And I think the biggest thing that happened, the, the change that he made was instead of when he got into trouble trying to penetrate or trying to make a play happen, he would stop dribbling, and that's where the turnovers would happen. It would be a bad pass because obviously he couldn't double dribble. Now it seems like. The handle is there, but it's loose, or then he tries to make a bad pass, or he kind of flails, and he's out of control. He's still really small. He's, we're not expecting DeJounte to bulk up into like a Chris Paul size. He's always going to be really lanky, and mm-hmm. for him to try to penetrate a little bit it just seems like, yeah, okay, that's great if you can give him the openings, but I don't want to see him trying to go into the paint, into traffic, or anything like that. I, I think he's he's built a nice little pick-and-pop game similar to Tony Parker. That mm-hmm. mid-range seems to be his bread and butter, and he's mixed in a few threes. I, I think anything outside of that, DeMar needs to be more of a primary ball handler and maybe Keldon over DJ. I don't think – I think putting trying to, like, pinpoint DJ into a slashing point guard is mm-hmm. the worst thing they can do right now. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. So, again, that's kind of what Pop said there. Uh, you know, he – again, like – the thing is, it wasn't consistent. Like, he didn't do that in the first OKC game. He didn't do the attacking the rim. And in the second one, all of a sudden, he started doing it. In the third one, he started, you know, like I said, he got to the free throw line consistently a lot. And then he also uh, had seven seven made layups there. So, again, maybe, maybe it was just a one-time thing. Uh, but, but you know, I just want to note that, that Pop mentioned that. But then he, he, he obviously said, you know, kind of what you said, John, where he wants to be more of that facilitator. Uh, and then, you know, he, he relies more so on his mid-ranger and, and, and then if he's a spot-up three-point shooter. Um, the next play I want to move on to is uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth. You know, so... Uh, you know, the first game didn't, you know, the first preseason game, we, uh, we just have to note that, you know, he was, it was, he only played half the game because uh, 13 minutes to be exact because it was his first game returning from injury. So he pretty much missed almost all of training camp with back spasms, according to coach pop. And so he finally came back for that, for that first preseason. So, so we'll kind of throw that one out, out of, out of the, out of the, uh, out of the conversation, but let's look at the, the two Houston's game. It was like totally, it kind of, 
for me, it kind of fit exactly how kind of Lonnie's been these last two years, uh, where like yeah. <laughs> he had a really strong game against Houston, you know, 17 points to lead the Spurs in scoring on that first game against Houston on Tuesday. He gets nine points from three, and then he's attacking the rim. You know, he had a really cool dribble where like he like crosses like through like two defenders, and he uses like a um, what do you call that? Like a pro hop, and then he finishes a nice layup against yeah. Houston. So six points in the paint in 26 minutes. He's he's a, little, he's a lot more active on defense, getting some steals and stuff like that. So he shoots six of 11 in that game, three of seven from three. All of a sudden, the net, two nights later, uh, the same team, Houston. Now, now they did. You know, Sean Elliott mentioned this on the broadcast. They they are guarding him a little bit differently because they saw that he he went off for seventeen points against them. So so you know they, they were they were uh, they were paying more attention to him. But this is what he puts up: one point zero rebounds in twenty nine minutes. He only took two shots in the entire game and just took and he was 0-1 from three. So he didn't even, he only got one three point attempt and just one extra shot. And, and like I mentioned there, it's kind of what happens like with Lonnie. It's it, it reminded me too of like what happened in the bubble. Like he had some strong games, but then all of a sudden it looked like Keldon was about to take his his job in the starting lineup toward the end there and 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 that's the thing too is like i think that that's why like a player like vassell if he's going to be consistent then there is going there, there if lonnie doesn't you know put consistent performances you know i'm, I'm not saying score 17 points a night but you know at least get you get, get him like like nine to 11 points each each game and just be a consistent yeah. presence if he's not doing that well then i think that by the time Derek and and, Kel, and Kelton get back well then hey vassell might be there for, to take that, that 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 role in those minutes so what did you think what do you what, do you, what have you thought about lonnie uh, it kind of goes back to like the scouting report, the, uh, the scouting report of him in college that he just seems to get lost in the game sometimes. That he just disappears, and there's an engagement factor that maybe it's just the thought process, or maybe it's just the way he is. Like he just seems really disengaged when he's not getting the ball or performing well. And I think Pop knocked on him in the past too, where hey, if you're not scoring, contribute to the game in other places, and mm-hmm. he didn't do that. It, it, you, there's no distributing, there's no rebounding. The defense isn't there, and then he's not shooting. So then why are you on the floor? That's the whole thing where we've talked about in the past. I know I've harped on this before where the Spurs need to see what not all these young guys are going to pan out. One of them you're not going to be able to pay. You're going to have to let one of them go and try to build through free agency or the draft to replace that person. And I think that's why this season for Lonnie is so crucial that Mm -hmm. if you can't I understand, like, the comparison to J.R. Smith is fine. You you want to go for 20 one night and five the next, fine. But that night that you go off for five, you better do something defensively or you better have a good, at least a couple assists or a couple plays that contribute to the team to winning that game. It can't just be a complete disappearing act for 20 minutes. And if that's going to be the case, I feel like there's no reason to bring him back. But at the same time, the injury issues, you know, he had the back spasms. You don't mm-hmm. want to, like... Mm-hmm. try to kill the kid off of that because obviously that that's not great and he's had injury issues in the past you want to kind mm-hmm. of bring him along slow but yeah he's he's kind of leaning towards like that bench unit it, it, I don't see I see him starting for now because I think he's yeah. he's a perfect complement to that team because you want him to be that spot up shooter and have opportunities to shoot because that starting lineup desperately needs it but if it turns into anything like what we saw the night before or for that third game in Houston, he's going to see the bench sooner or later and see either Vassell or Keldon take his minutes. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing is like, for, first of all, you know, I, I should I should you know go back and just say kind of what you just pointed out. Again, it is preseason; it's just a very small sample size, three games. But you know, you know, that's the thing is like they're actually this is a time though that they actually are going to rely on him these next few weeks without Keldon and Derek there. He's going to be yep. the, he's going to be the starting lineup, and, they, and he has to you know he can't have these lapses where he just like disappears on a night and then it's pretty good on, on the next night. You know, when you're going to be a starter, uh, you have to be consistent in in your role and what you're what you're providing to the team. I think that's something to watch too is like again, like this is his opportunity. Let's see how how 
how he really um you know handles it in these first few weeks without Keldon and, and Derek because if, if he's still kind of having these types of performances uh you know once those two players get healthy like I mentioned I think that Pop's going to have a tough choice to make where he's either going to have to give Keldon all those minutes or or, or even move up um Vassell ahead of him uh, uh you know because of that so so again we'll see again maybe it was just early preseason data he is coming back from that injury so so we'll see kind of how Lonnie uh goes through this and again the reason why I just said it, it reminded me of how he's played in the past is just because kind of that's kind of how, how I've seen him the last two years you know is it, that's kind of what happens is where like he has some uh, a good string of games but then he just you know completely you just forget that he's on the floor at times. So yep. we'll see what happens to Lonnie. Uh, and the last player, you know, don't want to spend too much time on him, um, was Jakob Pertl. I just want to talk about a little bit on, about his offense. Uh, you know, he pretty much came off the bench in those last two games against the Rockets. Uh, I did notice that he's kind of attacking a little bit more in the mismatches, you know, uh, slightly more. And he's also getting to the free throw line a little bit more. So his field goal attempts in these three games against OKC, three attempts, uh, four attempts against the Rockets the first game, none in the last game. And then uh, the free throw attempts, how he got to the line of four, four attempts against OKC, one attempt um, uh, against Houston the first time and then two attempts against Houston the second time. Uh, so is there anything there about Jacoby that, you, that you've noticed? I, I'm just glad he's back, honestly. <laughs> I'm not expecting any kind of dramatic changes to him, mm-hmm. yeah. especially with the shooting and stuff like that. It's good that he's more aggressive, and I think fans are still going to be upset when he tries to go up for a layup while when drawing contact and attacking the basket. But, you know, I, I, I don't want him to go out there trying to put up 10 to 15 points a game. I would much rather see that from someone that the Spurs have harped on about being that has a potential to be special in like Trey Lyles, who hasn't shown that this preseason in those three games, who also hasn't played since March, though. But Jakob is giving you exactly what you need and exactly what you paid him for. And he, he as long as he's not I, – I forgot where I made the comparison, but I said something – I think it was with Joe Garcia and Ben Bornstein where I said, yeah, Jakob's contract is great because he got paid similar to Myers Leonard – but then I saw Myers Leonard launching threes the other night. I don't want to see Jakob launching threes. I don't want that kind of aggression out of him. <laughs> yeah, so you know we'll see what happens to Jakob. And for now, it looks like he is going to end up. Uh, you know, if they keep this 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 unit with, with Rudy at the four and Lamarcus at the five, well, then it looks like he's going to come off the bench. I know that he mentioned in his preseason, I mean his training camp interviews, that his goal was to become a starter uh, down the road here. Uh, you know, during the length of this contract. So so we'll see what happens here. Um, so, so uh, before we end this episode, Spurs Cast listeners, make sure that you visit ProjectSpurs.com. You know, the, the season's definitely kicking into swing here uh, for us. So we have Steven Anderson back. He's providing um, analysis after each game. So you make sure you check out his articles. Uh, Jonas Clark recently wrote um, a, a new piece called Where in the World Are the Austin Spurs? Kind of looking at where a lot of the Austin with, with the um, pandemic and because of the uncertainty with the G League, uh, uh, make sure that, uh, you know, just kind of, figure out what's going to happen with the Austin Spurs. I mean, where their players have gone, a lot of their former players. Uh, and then also Benjamin Bornstein's already getting ready for next season, so he has his latest prospect watch on Zaire Williams. And and I do want to um, promote one one podcast, that uh, the, the Forever Turtles podcast from, from a week ago. It was in the Spurs cast feed. Make sure you all listen to that. It was with um, John, uh, Michael DeLeon, and I think it was Jonas. Was that right, John? Yes, yes. Yeah, Jonas and that was Clark. pretty good because the, the part that you all got to in that discussion about, you know, how, how the league really invested a lot into the um, – into the G League, and then for them not to, they may not even be able to use it. Now it does look like the Spurs are going to participate. They're their affiliate because they're they're signing and waving players um, left and right. But uh, you know that that's just an in- interesting conversation they have about you know the direction of the G League and, and how they really wanted to to, to to emphasize it this year, but then now they can't because of the pandemic and, and how there's so much uncertainty. And then the funny part was how you guys were talking about how they have like ticket sale promotions and there's like yeah, we don't even know if we're having a season now. And it made me think like, wow, I cannot believe they actually went that far with that stuff. So so yeah, that's a, that, that's something. So definitely check out that Forever Toros podcast um, uh, as well <laughs> um, online. That was that was a good conversation to listen to. And then I wanted to say one more thing, um, Spurscast listeners. So again, John and I were recording this on a Friday and um, you know the, the first game of the regular season for the Spurs is the 23rd 
um, against Memphis. And something to watch you're probably going to see in the next few days is you're going to see some wavings. Uh, most likely, I would say Cam Reynolds from the Spurs because they have to get their, their roster down to – uh, well, actually, yeah, yeah, they have to get to down to what is that? I think 15, 15 regular season players and yeah. and two uh, two way players. So yeah, so you're probably going to see um, you know Cam Reynolds get waived, and maybe they don't have to do it right now, but they might you know wave uh, uh, Tyler Zeller because I mean he, uh, that was something to watch too. John was the fact that he didn't even play even even though these were blowouts and these were just preseason games. Zeller got zero, zero minutes and he wasn't hurt according to the team. So so that, so, so we might strange, see Zeller yeah. and um, <laughs> and Cam Reynolds get get waived here uh, uh, dur- during these next few days. All right, so thank you, thanks, thanks again to John for joining me on, Spurs, on the SpursCast episode and also to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing the episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.